Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm really excited to share the word. If you see in your sermon notes, we're in this series called Unleashing the Power of Connections in Your Life and just how to have the fullest blessed relationship with God, with your family, with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and with the world that you live in. And we've talked last week about the fact that connection is something everybody wants, and yet a lot of people never really experience. A lot of people I talk about are are more pretenders than connectors. (laughs) They may look like they connect well on social media or other things, But when it really comes to relationships that are meaningful and powerful, they struggle a lot. And and we talked about the fact that there there are keys to connection, and that's what we're going over this month. And last week, we talked about the first key to connection, kind of the connection code, we call it, like the safe to get into connection. And and that was encouragement, that when we learn the the power of encouragement, it, it connects us. Um, I did share a illustration last week about the geese. Remember I talked about geese flying in a V and they can go 70% further and how if one goose falls, the others come along and help it. And, and, and afterwards, someone reminded me, I forgot the most important point. And that is when geese fly, they not only fly in a V, but they all honk. Have you ever noticed that? Honk, honk, honk. You know what they're doing? They're telling that guy up front that's taking the heat, you can do this. Come on, come on, come on. How many know we all need people to give us a honk? Come on, so turn to someone right now and say honk, honk. Honk, honk, man, you can do it. You're gonna make it. Honk, honk, honk. You know, some of you may even honk me sometime here. But we're gonna do this. Honk, honk, honk. We're gonna make it strong. And, and today I wanna talk a second connection code, and that is called what I call brave honesty or being truthful and transparent, being vulnerable and being able to share who we really are with each other. The greatest need that a human being has is to be known for who they really are and be fully loved and accepted, not for what people thought they were, but for who they really are. And until that person comes out, you never really know if love is there, if it's real. There's a story I was reading, a Colonel D.D. Hatfield is the department head of an Air Force strike force, and she was talking to all the troops that were being deployed in this Air Force group, and and, and she got up, and they were all expecting uh, maybe a normal talk. Let's talk about duty and courage and, and pressure, but she had something else on her heart. She had been hearing over and over about low morale and people were exhausted. There had been more suicide attempts over those months than they had seen in the Air Force. And she knew something very well. She knew that many times we're tired. It's not because we're working too hard. It's because we're lonely. We're not connected. And that many times we want to give up on life because of the same reason. So she got up and started talking to the troops about, have you ever been lonely? And then she talked about how lonely she's felt when she was deployed. And she just opened her heart and everybody said, wow, this is a commander. This doesn't seem like the armed forces talking. And then she asked this question, how many of you here are lonely right now? And over half of the people raised their arms. 
And then she started saying, why don't you just turn to somebody and say, hey, I got your back. I know you're missing your family. Hey, but we're going to encourage each other. And the results were that whole Italian, that whole group, just the morale just went in a whole new direction. Why? It's, it's called the power of vulnerability, of transparency, of, of, of opening our hearts and being real in the presence of someone else who cares and can encourage us on. Why is it that so many people are what I call pretenders instead of connectors? I believe the reason is fear. We want to talk about that today. We fear like, boy, if you really knew me, I don't know if you'd really like what you saw. I heard one guy say, I don't want to tell my wife all my struggles. She'll probably wish she married that guy in high school beside of me, you know. I, I got too many issues. I don't want to just, I don't want to just spill the beans. I gotta, I gotta be careful here. No, so untrue. It's only when we become real that we become close and that we heal from our past hurts. There's a passage I want to look at in 1 John chapter 1. And, and it's so powerful. And it talks about this principle. He calls it walking in the light. Let's just read this together. 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. How many agree that's not a good thing to do? And showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. How are you thankful for an advocate today? Hallelujah. Who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. You know, if you know about this letter of 1 John, you know that it's a book about love. It's a book about having the best relationships you can have. But isn't it interesting to tell us about love, he starts talking about light. He says, before you can learn love, you learn, you've got to learn light or you'll never graduate to how to love. He says, Here, here's how this works. If you cover up darkness, if you keep secrets, if you, if you, you know, what I call take the funk and put it in the closet. How many know we got some funk in our life? <laughs> we got some stuff. We got some bad attitudes. He says, when you try to just cover that up, you disconnect with God and you disconnect with people. But if you bring it out of the light, if you become that person, I call it put the cards on the table person. Take off the armor. Take off the fake. Just if you will be open and real, you will experience something incredible called fellowship. 
The way I see it, he says, it's like a spotlight. Figure out, he, he calls it walking in the light. Walking in the light is walking in transparency, vulnerability, truth. He says, just think of it. He says, if you see a spotlight, he says, that's, that's like, I call it the God zone. If you can get your marriage to, into the light, if you can get your relationship with your kids from the darkness, if you can get it over there, I'm telling you, God's going to show up there. And you're going to have something called fellowship. You know what fellowship means? It means harmony. It means synergy. We sometimes call fellowship as fellows in a ship all rowing in the same direction. Your, your, your connection, your you're, you're harmonizing. You get each other. You, you feel each other. And you're growing in this beautiful thing. And so he says, listen, if you ever want the relationships you dream, dream about, learn how to get in the light. And those will happen. The Bible warns over and over about pretending. In, in Jesus' days, there was a group called the Pharisees. They were the pretenders. Because they made everybody see what they wanted them to see. Oh, you're so righteous. The problem was, it wasn't real. In fact, Jesus called them interesting. He said, you're whitewashed sepulchers. Someone described that as, you are graves with an expensive makeup job. I mean, you look so good on the outside, but there's dead bones inside of you. You're just posturing. You're just pretending. And you know, when someone's pretending, you can't really know them. They're, they're, there's a wall between you and them. And you can live with them for a long time. And, and maybe they have a lot of friends. Maybe they're popular. How many know being popular and being connected is two different things? I saw a story about Marilyn Monroe. She was probably the most popular woman in the world at the time. One of her last words before she took her life is, I am the loneliest person on earth. See, everyone knew the image of Marilyn Monroe and everybody would have said, you're awesome, you're awesome. And she could have had anybody be her friend in the whole world probably, but, but she knew how to be popular, but she didn't know how to be real and she didn't know how to let the real person be healed. She didn't know how to come to the light. Why don't we come to the light? Why are we pretenders? I believe it's because of fear. The enemy loves to, 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 to make us hide. Remember Adam in the Garden of Eden? It wasn't just that he and Eve had eaten the apple that got kicked out, but it's what he did afterwards that separated him from God. He ran and he hid. Remember, God comes walking in the garden. He says, Adam, where are you? And he is hiding in some fig leaves. Adam, what are you doing? He said, I was afraid. I was afraid you'd see who I really am. It seems safer just to hide. Many people, they call it the imposter syndrome. You know, they say, man, I better act this way so that people will think I'm okay. <laughs> or, or other people, they're afraid because they tried to be real and someone broke their heart. I've had people say, I will never trust a woman. I'll never trust a man again. And I opened my life and bam, I was just killed by that. And I had someone recently say, I'll never go to church again. I got so hurt by a pastor. Now it just broke my heart. 
And, and I said, look, I understand. But I gotta, I gotta tell you this. This is, this is what life is about. If you, if you wanna be connected, you have to be vulnerable. And if you are vulnerable, sometimes you'll be hurt. But can I tell you about our worst hurt? It's the hurt of never being vulnerable and never connecting and living a life in a shell, unknown, undiscovered. And God is calling us, come on, just come on back to the light. You know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen. Maybe the devil is such an accuser. You know, you, you, you're out there and one, one day you, you kind of really mess up. And it, the next day is church or the down the road is church. And what is the first thing that comes to your mind? You better not go to church, right? And you are such a hypocrite. See, first thing the devil wants to do is condemn you. And then he wants to isolate you because if he can isolate you, he has you. But you know what Jesus says? Hey, I, I know about all your brokenness and I love you. I didn't come for perfect people. I came for broken people. And we say it around here. You got issues. I got issues. All God's children got issues. But that's why this is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And God says, if you are broken, if you're messed up, if you have issues, if you have confusion, you're the reason I died. You're the reason that I gave my life for people just like you. So you can be healed. So you can come. Just come as you are. Because together, when we're real, we're healed. Someone said the key to healing is revealing. <laughs> if we can just start revealing, we can get healing. Just come and begin this journey together. I, I put in your notes just some, some falsities that some people have. Some people say, boy, I can't be around others. I have to always be right. But I put this point, I think is so great. Pastor Craig O'Shell said, people would rather connect with someone who's always real than someone who's always right. <laughs> Isn't it true? You know what makes us close to people is not our successes. We admire people who are successful, but we relate to people who are struggling. You know, a lot of people are trying to be right all the time. I'm right. How many know, have you ever been around someone who's always right? How many times you want to get away from people who think they're always right? Versus someone who's just real. Yeah. In fact, it's so funny because when I tell my grandchildren stories about my early life, the only thing they want to hear about is the times I really messed up. They don't want to hear about any successes. Tell us. Tell us about that time you tried to pole vault and you landed on the scorer's table and ended the track meet. Tell us, you know. Tell us about that stupid thing you did. You went to preach at a church and you accidentally went to the women's restroom. Tell us all those weird things. We love it, Grandpa, when you're weird. We love it. <laughs> you know what they're saying? I get you when you struggle because I struggle too. People long for us just to be real. Secondly, disguises keep us from intimacy. The thing that keeps us from intimacy with God and with each other is these disguises. When we are satisfied with looking a certain way and images, one of the, probably the greatest stories I heard about this, well, let me just read you this one. This one was kind of funny. 
And uh, so I thought I'd read it to you anyhow. This guy was desperate for a job. So he went to the zoo. He thought maybe he'd get a job there. And they said, well, I do have a job, the zookeeper said, but it's a little bit unusual. Our gorilla died some time ago and we don't have the money to replace him. Would you mind wearing a gorilla suit? And if you will, you can have a job. He said, well, that doesn't sound very authentic, but a job's a job. So, so he took the job and he dressed up like a gorilla. And at first it was weird, but then he started like digging it. He started, he loved this part. Ooh, oh, ooh, you know, he liked the kids liking him and he loved swinging. He just start swinging. Oh, and he was just getting into this gorilla role. And then one day, he accidentally went right over the fence into the next cage. And it happened to be the cage of the big African lion. And he's lying on his back and this lion is on his chest, breathing in his face. And he loses, he starts to scream. And all of a sudden the lion looks at him and says, shut up you idiot or we'll both get fired. You know, <laughs> uh. So anyhow, a lot of us wear disguises, right? And though we may feel empowered by that, the truth is, it's going to fall apart. I remember this friend, Mike McGregor, he, he talked about when he was a kid, his dad was such a loved pastor, but at home, he wasn't the same. And one day, his mom and him and his brothers played a trick on his dad. They decided before church to bring the sofa and the table and put it on the church stage. And his dad came and he said, what's going on here? He says, dad, every, when you're at church, you're so nice to everybody. You've got time. You talk to everybody. You're the most amazing person. But when you come home, you don't even notice. So we decided to move to church to be with you here because <laughs> we want this daddy and not the daddy that goes home. When we, when we settle for an image, we, we alienate people. Maybe one of the biggest points I want to make is the greatest revivals, the greatest breakthroughs. We've been talking about a love illusion. When do they happen? They don't happen when we're trying to show people how good we are. They often start when we're really to admit how wrong we've been. I have seen this over and over in my life. I mentioned to someone probably one of the most powerful days of my life. I was about 14 and I was a really rebellious teenager and me and my dad did not get along. Talk about a generation gap. And, and I was always saying, I'm going to get out of this house. And, and, you know, I was just so angry. He was really strict and really harsh and we just didn't connect. But one day he came into my room and God had really convicted him. And I'll never forget this because I could see him. He sat down. He says, Dale, I just, can we talk? And he says, I just wanted to tell you, I know I've just been harsh and I just wanted to tell you, God has shown me just how wrong I've been. And then he began to open. He said, Dale, you know, my dad never could show me affection. And I grew up in a home. My dad never hugged me. I said I wasn't going to be like my dad, but here I am, and that's how I'm treating you. And then he literally gets on his knee. Yeah, will you forgive me? 
I'm telling you, it was like, it was like we were a million miles away, but all of a sudden, I just felt pulled toward my dad. I don't know what I said, but I knew that one day our relationship was this, and the next day, our relationship was this. And he was the he. It's been my hero the rest of his life. We, we sometimes think, boy, if I could do all this right, and sometimes, no, what you really need to do is admit all the ways you've done it wrong. <laughs> because when you cover the darkness, you disconnect. But when you're honest, you reconnect. Interesting that I study church history And one of the profound things I've noticed is when do revivals happen? And I saw this pattern over and over, the Wesleyan revival when the Great Awakening happened. Do you know what the kind of predominant feature of so many revivals are? They are people getting together in small groups and and not just singing and all of that, but getting together to actually confess their sins to one another. Look at uh, James five sixteen. They in the Wesleyan revival, they would just read this verse and do it. Look what it says: Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you can live together whole. And you'll notice, you confess your sins to God to be forgiven. People don't forgive you; God forgives you. But when you confess your sins to people, you're healed. Something happens when you just become real with people and they pray for you. There's something in that light. And everywhere they would practice this, suddenly the spirit would start to move because people were being humbled. They were being so honest. They were being so real. And they would just get together and they'd say, oh man, I I just was so envious toward this person this week at work. And oh gosh, man, I was harsh again with my kids. And it was just, and they would just listen to each other. And oh man, I'd just been full of greed. Wow. Hey, I got these issues with lust and I don't want to go there. Would you pray for me? And they would just, just be real. And they would pray for each other. They called it the discipline of confession. And I know that sounds intense, but from the beginning, it, again, I'm not saying you have to go do this all the time. I'm just saying that that very act of being willing to be someone that would become so real with other human beings brings a humility. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you might know the name. He was this pastor in Germany during World War II under Hitler. And he was a part of the resistance and an incredible man. He could have escaped to America, but he said, no, my flock is in, in Germany. He, he, he eventually is martyred by Hitler's regime. But during that time, he stirs these Christians and, and hundreds of them break down into these small groups, house churches. They have to meet underground because they're not a part of the church that's saying the state line and everything. And, and And he wrote a book, and it's just an incredible book. It's called Life Together. And and all it talks about, the the central theme of his book, they said, how did did you guys stay strong? And, And he talked about the same thing, the discipline of confession. He said, we learned just to open up, not just about our strengths, but especially about our weaknesses. One quote of his I love, he said, he said, you know, when you're alone in your sin, you're isolated. 
He says, hell is going to be being alone in your sin. But when you're humble and you come to the light and you're with others suddenly, the moment, I love how he said this, when you share your hard inner struggle, the moment it crosses your lips in confession, God comes. He breaks the gates of bronze, cuts through the bars of iron. The moment this brokenness and sin is confessed, you are free from the burden of its regret. Satan is disarmed and humiliated because he thought this was going to isolate you, but instead it exposes his lies and brings you together into a united people able to live in community. God uses the times of inner struggle to knit our souls together in such a way that the power of the blood of Jesus is released and does miracles in souls. And the result is that the Holy Spirit brings a bond of unity through the group that the whole world can see. Isn't that powerful? This is the power of walking in the light. Amen. So how do you do this? How do you get in the God zone? That's, that's what I'm going for today. We're going from going to be pretenders to connectors. We're going to figure out how do I get in this, this light, the God zone where my relationship will fully thrive. Well, the only way to start is to be really honest and to really be yourself is to let God's love cast out fear. We've said it over and over until there's only one kind of love that is so perfect that when you feel it inside, it frees you from the fear. It empowers you to be real and to connect with people, no matter what they think, no matter what happens. It's his love that casts out fear. Look at this verse in 1 John 4, 17 to 19. I love this verse. And I'm reading it out of the Amplified Version. It says, in this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment and say, he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. Man, that's something to go home and meditate on, isn't it? Now here's what it's saying. There is a power that's greater than anything you're afraid of. And it's so simple, but so hard for most of us, to just let God love us. Here's three ways that love goes deep in us. Number one, just realize that God unconditionally loves you. Is it okay if I tell you something you already know? God doesn't love you because you got it together. He doesn't love you because what you've promised to be. He loves you because you're his. You're his. And I've told you this again, I'm a grand, grandfather. I've got 20 grandkids. Some of them are these little, little guys that are still toddlers. And you know how toddlers, they're wild. 
They do crazy things. They poop in their clothes. When they eat, they scrub stuff on the window. When I try to pray, they're screaming at the top of the lungs. And you know what? I'm crazy about them. To me, they're perfect. Why? Because they're mine. They're my grandkids. God feels the exact same way about you. He sees all of the stuff you go through. You know, I could see some angels. What do you see in those guys? They're mine. Even when they make messes, it's okay. I do want to change it, but they're still mine. They're mine. He loves you. Just every day, let that soak in deeper. Because then you won't be afraid to be you anymore. Because you are who God loves, not some cheap imitation of you. You, with all that you are, he loves you. Number two, your standing is not based on how good you are, but what Jesus did for you. You stand in the righteousness of Jesus. What I love about honesty is you get a real identity. And the real identity is not, I'm so good. No, the real identity is I'm so broken, but I am so loved. And my righteousness is not my righteousness. It's perfect righteousness because it's the righteousness of Jesus. And then realize that not only with your sins, but your weaknesses, they don't, they don't repel God, that your flaws and weaknesses actually are things about you that God wants to use to connect you more with him and with other people. One of the most incredible things you see in the Bible is that the people that God uh, used the most, they were not perfect people. How many know all of God's heroes were broken people? I mean, you read them, you say, wow, you know, Abraham, yeah, Abraham, yeah, but you lied about your wife and told everyone she was your sister. That wouldn't go well here. Um, Moses killed somebody. Uh, Rahab was a prostitute. Uh, you know, Elijah was depressed a lot. And John the Baptist was eccentric. He ate grasshoppers. And Paul, you know, was a blasphemer. And yet, they were chosen by God they're heroes. Why? Because they were real. They came to God's light. And they said, God, I am broken. But God, could you take me just as I am? And would you take the things about me that are hurt and broken? And somehow, would you take those scars and make them stars? Would you make that which is broken about me Something to remind me how much I need you and something to help me be humble enough that when you do bless me, I don't get all proud. And something that helps me realize how much I need other people in my life. What I've realized more and more as I look at people and all of us together, every one of us, it wouldn't take me very long. In five minutes, I would find somewhere in your life where you feel pain, where you feel unworthy, Something going on. Well, I, I struggle a lot with, with anxiety or depression. Oh, you know, I, man, this addiction has kicked me in the rear. I am trying, but oh no, I, I, I have this personality trait. I, man, sometimes I am so stubborn. I drive my family crazy. Oh, and by the way, I'm not just confessing my sins. I'm confessing yours as well. 
I'm a person with a broken heart. I lost the love of my life. I don't even know if I want to live anymore. I am someone who, who every day feels and struggles with the fact that I messed up in my past and I got that divorce and I went to prison and I went this or I am someone who sometimes just feels like I just never did what I could have done and, and I struggle and I, and I struggle and God says, congratulations, you're a perfect candidate for my grace. Look at what 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through uh, 10, I love this verse says it's so beautiful. Paul was complaining about his, you know, his thorn in the flesh. He had these issues. And, and it's just interesting. He was not a perfect man. If someone writes, and his story is right, he was a hunchback little guy with a drippy eye. <laughs> and he had all these things and he was hated by people. And yet, when he said, God, would you take all this brokenness from my life? This is how God answered my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So he says, I will celebrate my weaknesses for when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. So I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. He goes on to say, I am going to boast in my weakness because when I have a story and a lot of that story is painful and a lot of it, but, but I own that story and I've given it to God and therefore that story doesn't own me. What I've been in the past doesn't have to be what I am in the future. I am not a prisoner of how I felt. No, I have been given the grace of Jesus Christ. I live loved by him and he takes all of that stuff in my life and he says, I'm gonna use what's weakest about you as an instrument that will make you depend on me more than you. When are you going to depend on me the most? The more you know you don't have what it takes, the more you'll depend on me. When are you most compassionate about others? When you know you don't deserve anything you got. I was praying this week and I just felt overwhelmed and I started thinking about my life and I just said, God, I cannot believe you've used me. God, what, what I've been able to see in my life. God, I know who I am. I was just the most insecure kid in my high school. God, I was so, so unlikely to succeed. God, even to this day, I just got a weird personality. I got all kinds of issues. But God, look what you've done with my life. I can't believe it. it's all just your grace. I'm so amazed by your grace. And I just felt like he said, yeah, because you know that it's not you. I can keep showing up. I can keep doing great things. Stay right there. Stay humble. Don't be afraid to tell people where you struggle because that's where they'll understand my power is perfect. For people hurt, for people who are weak. That's when I'm strong. Look at this verse in 
Matthew 5, 3, I love this. This is a Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Somebody's there right now. <laughs> With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. So what do we do with all of this in closing? How do we get into the light? Number one, just do what John said. Confess your sins. Don't say, don't deny it. Whoever says I have no sin makes God out to be a liar. What does it mean to confess? The word confess simply means agree. Agree with God. He, he's not rubbing your nose in it, but at the same time, he wants you to just open the closet of your heart and be 100% honest Every single day, there's issues. Every single day, there's things in our life that are, that are funky, that they're, 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 they're causing, you know, the engine to, to stall in your marriage. They're causing you to be distant to your children. It just happens. Don't let yourself stay hidden. Admit it. What, what is sin? I like the definition. Sin is anything that makes it less safer for God or other people to trust you. Anything that you allow in your life that, that's, that's double, it's not for the best benefit of others. Some people say, well, whatever, this doesn't hurt anybody. No, sin always hurts someone else. Well, I'm just looking at some pornography. No, the, the more you do that, the less safe it is for your future spouse to totally trust you and know that your heart is completely there. Oh, well, it's just, I'm just envying over. Yeah, well, now you're less likely to be trusted as someone who will gently and be content with what God gives you and not be jealous of other people. Every time you lower your standard this much, you make it less safe for everyone in your life to have the ability to say, I can count on him. I can count on her. They're going to love me like God loves me. Because you can only love out of a pure heart, out of an honest heart. The moment other stuff gets in there, love gets stammed up. But he says, if you will just be honest, I'll cleanse your heart every day. I mean, we need it every day. I don't know about you, but every day. He says, all you got to do is just agree with the Father. God, that, that word I just spoke, that was sin. See, I know the, the world, this progressive age, they want to redefine sin. They want to say, oh, no, you're just doing you. No, you're not just doing you. You're sinning, Okay. Is it okay if I love you enough to tell you that, all right? Because what happens when you relabel something and you pretend, oh, it's all good. No, it's not all good. All you do is you disfavor yourself. See, if you take a poison bottle and you take the label, oh, it doesn't say poison anymore, <laughs> and you drink it, it's still gonna kill you. I don't care what you label it. But God says, please, be honest. Jeremiah 6.14 says, the false prophets, they, they heal the wounds of my people slightly. They say, peace, peace, but there's no peace. They, they put a Band-Aid on a mortal illness. They say, oh, they're all good. They're all, can't judge anybody. You can't judge. I'm not trying to judge anybody, but I know what that's doing to their heart. 
And as a pastor, I don't want their spiritual life to be dark. And it's so easy to be forgiven because Jesus already paid for it. You don't have to do penance. You don't have to jump through hoops. You just be honest to God. God, I really did that. Please cleanse me. And then secondly, I double dare you, find a couple of trusted friends that you can do what James 5.16 says. Confess your sins to one another. Now, you don't do that with everybody. You know, Jesus said, be careful with your pearls who you throw them out there too. Don't tell the town gossip all your secrets. But what he says is, you need what I call safe friends. If I could do one thing for you, I would say, please let me help you find three or four people who just love you unconditionally, who aren't afraid to ask you hard questions, who, who are just totally gonna listen and that you just get together on a regular basis and just say, hey, bro, what's happening in your heart? Well, this part ain't good, man. All right, tell me about it. And then they pray for you. I'm telling you, what does that do? That begins to give you a safe heart. You begin to become someone who doesn't brush things under the carpet anymore. You don't collect a lot of junk. You all of a sudden say, you know what? I want to grow. I don't want to be the same person 20 years from now. You then all of a sudden, you raise your game because the Holy Spirit is working on you because you're being real, you're being honest, and, and God is rewriting the scripts of your insides. And it changes you from the inside out. And the day comes, the more you become honest, all of a sudden, you're not a person who goes around with your chip on the shoulder anymore. You're someone that's just approachable. It's so amazing. Someone whose heart is transparent, they can just walk up to anybody. They're not like, oh boy, that guy, watch out how you talk around him. No, he's safe as can be. She's as safe as can be. She doesn't have anything to hide. She's just transparent. She's got it all under the blood. She's just free. Oh, how beautiful it is to be around someone like that. How amazing it is for me to be married to someone like that. It's incredible. And the last thing is, be the person who connects and reaches out to someone who's fallen, who feels too ashamed to come to the light right now. Look at this verse in Galatians 6.1. I really love it. Brothers and sisters, if you see someone is caught in this, you see someone who crashed, regressed. What does it say? Judge them, <laughs> cancel them. No. You who live by the Spirit, restore them. Restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also will be tempted. Don't, don't look down on them because the moment you start to judge someone else, guess what? You're likely to deceive yourself. The Bible says, when you think you stand, get ready. You're about to fall. There's so many people today, my heart breaks for them. They think God's given up on them. They think they're too messed up. They've been stuck too long in something or other. God is trying to tell us, church, please go find them. Go find them and gently restore them.
There's this amazing verse, John 20, 23. I'm still trying to get around it. Jesus said to people, he says, if you forgive someone's sins, they're forgiven. If you don't, they're not. What is he saying? He says, yes, God forgives sins, but there's something about hearing it from a person. When you tell your spouse, not just God forgives you, I forgive you. You are no longer that person. I don't see you that way anymore. I love you. It heals them. When you tell your children, not just when they did bad, hey, you are forgiven. You, I don't even remember that other stuff. You are amazing, son. I, I believe in you. I, I love you. You're incredible. You are just the best. Well, no, I blew it. No, that's past. No, you are loved. When you begin to speak faith into people's lives, you're going to overcome this. Yeah, a righteous man falls seven times, but she gets up again. You're going to do somebody great because God's with you. He loves you. He forgives you. Come on. We're going to go forward together. I'm not leaving you behind. We're going to live this life of grace. And we're going to see change and hope come. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I pray for you. Today, if I was to say what I've prayed the most about this, is my, so many of my friends here, they get stuck. And something gets in their heart, a secret. Something they hate themselves for. Or something that they disqualify themselves for. And then they isolate themselves from God. They don't talk to God anymore. <laughs> they stay away. They don't think they're good enough to worship God anymore. They just, they just get tricked by Satan. And I just, if you're anywhere in that situation today, I want you to know, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who died for you, who stands on your behalf right now to, to fight for your case, to be forgiven, to be justified, and to be restored as a fully accepted human being. If there's someone here today that you feel like, yeah, that's me, pastor. I've just, I've just been beating myself up. I've just been stuck in funk. I've just felt like I can't even, I can't even talk to God right now. The Holy Spirit is, is speaking to you. He's saying, please come to the light. There's forgiveness for you. There's healing for you. There's a, a chance to start over today. There's hope for you. There's an amazing future for you. None of that defines who you are. That doesn't have to be your story today. God loves you. You're his. You're his child. How much more important is anything in the world than that? And if you're here right now and you just feel like, you would just feel the Holy Spirit pulling you. Say, I just need to really get right with God. I want, to, I want a fresh start today, Pastor. I want to do what the Bible says. I'm just willing to say to God, God, I'm sorry. I'm coming to you. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I need forgiveness. I'm willing to be as honest as I can. And I'm willing to be right with you. The Bible says, if you will just simply believe in your heart, Turn from your sin and let Jesus forgive you that you'll be saved, you'll be restored today. 
Does anyone here feel like that's you, that you need that? Would you just do me the favor? Just raise your hand and put it down and say, I want prayer for that. Thank you, man. Thank you, sister. God bless you. All of those hands. Love it. Love it. Could we all just as a church pray? Lord Jesus, I come to your light just as I am with my sins, my flaws, my failures, my brokenness, my weakness. Thank you for loving me just as I am. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me and he rose again so I could connect with God. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me and I will be clean. Cleanse me and I will be whiter than snow. Restore my relationship with you. And where it's broken with other people, heal my relationships, Lord. Mend things in my life. We want to come to your light, Lord. We want to be healed. Thank you, Jesus, for your cleansing, for your healing, and for a chance to connect with you. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Could we just give the Lord a hand just for his mercy? Hallelujah. Everybody, just stand with me as we close and our prayer teams are gonna be up here. Again, I just feel there's still some people who could use some prayer before you go today. Would love to pray for you. And, and just things that just need to be right and we will pray and, and just God will do some great things. Hope you'll be a part of a connection group. Find some people that are safe that we're talking about. Let God begin to make your life go deeper in connection. That's my prayer for you. Lord, bless your people, each and every one. Thank you for their love for you to be in church, their hunger for God, their, their desire to connect with you and with each other in a greater way. What a joy that is. Lord, just thank you for those who, who just were honest to God today. Thank you that they're forgiven now. They're cleansed. Thank you that their heart is full of light. And they're starting, Lord, free in Jesus Christ to be their real self in your love. Bless them as they walk in this new identity and this freedom for your honor, for your glory, and your praise. We all agreed saying, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. We'd love to pray for you. If you like prayer, thank you all. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.